episode two of the Comfort Cast. And just to remind you, the reason that it sounds as if I'm whispering is because actually I am. And that is because I've gotten up well before dawn and my house is still sleeping in today as opposed to episode one where my dog was awake even my dog today is sleeping I the reason I'm doing this is because God has promised to comfort us in all of our tribulation he's promised by name he's called the comforter he's promised to comfort us, to be with us. He said he would not leave us orphans. He would not leave us comfortless. God wants to comfort you in all of your tribulation. It doesn't matter what you're going through. God is there. And I want want to help you figure out how God is there in the midst of a million voices surrounding you. God is there. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians that there there are many voices. That's the statement he makes. He says there are many voices and none of them is without significance. What does that mean? That means that everything that comes to you through your ears, your eyes, and your senses is a voice. Whatever conveys information to you is considered a voice. Now, generally we think of a voice as somebody's speaking voice and while that's primarily the understanding we know spiritually and as God defines a voice is anything that conveys information to you so there's a few things I want to convey on this second comfort cast The first is, what voice are you listening to? Right now, you're listening to Nathan Branham's voice. And I wonder what you think of it. You just, you don't have to let me know whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. But as I was listening back to my first episode, I had some thoughts about my own voice and you, you probably have thought the same thing about your own voice. I don't like how it sounds when it's replayed to me. Recently, my youngest son, Peyton, he had a self-discovery of his own voice. He had a project for school where he had to video record himself and share it. He was very 
disturbed by his own voice. It was very funny. He was obsessing over how high his voice was. He didn't like the sound of it. And I think most people the first time, or for many times, I don't even really like the sound of my own voice. It's, I'm indifferent to it now. I, I don't have a distaste for it as I once did. But I think most people don't like the sound of their own voice. Well, one thing that I thought in self-critique and reflection as I listened to episode one was, it's funny how I still have a nasally voice. My nose sounds a bit stuffed up, as we call it. And this is funny if you've known me for any appreciable, appreciable amount of time. You know that I've always had nasal issues. From my, my childhood, I've dealt with a plugged up nose. My friends would often joke about it and chide me about it. So as I was listening back to my own voice on the first one, first comfort cast, it took me back a little bit to my childhood and remembering all this way that God has brought me. And for whatever reason, even this morning, the nostalgia and walk down memory lane has continued. I don't know what for, but sometimes there's power in going back and that's the other thing that I want to discuss with you here shortly. But voices are everywhere. Voices are everywhere. The most important lesson you will learn about things that convey information to you, i.e., that is, voices, is whether or not you're hearing God, yourself, or the enemy of your soul. God, yourself, or the enemy of your soul. What are you hearing when you turn on the news? You say, well, if I think about it really hard, I'm tuning into the voice of the world. Can God be in that? Yes, God can be in that. But you have to be what we call discerning. Are you discerning, that is, distinguishing, differentiating, and determining what voice, what is the source of the information you're hearing? God has called us to be discerning. What is that source of information conveying? Voices are all around us. News, friends, billboards, social media, music platforms. They're all voices. And none of them, according to Paul, 
is without significance. That means they're all saying something and they're all conveying something. That's a distinct, that's a something that we need to be aware of. That is, what are they saying? But what are they really saying? We can only truly know that when we hear the voice of our shepherd. <clears throat> Jesus said in John chapter 10 that he is the good shepherd and anyone that doesn't come in through the gate is a thief and a robber. But his sheep know his voice. So I want to begin there with voices. This is the most important place to begin with knowing, distinguishing, and determining whether what you're hearing is God, you, or the enemy. We begin as we begin all things in regards to God, and that is faith. Square one is faith. Hebrews 11.6 gives us square one. It says, those that approach God, those that desire to get near to God, must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder. Those who approach God, those who desire to get near to God, those who come to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Everything we do in life revolves around faith. Whether that's divine faith, the God kind of faith, or simply a natural humanistic faith that trusts other things and not God, that's square one. And so Jesus said this, my sheep, John 10, my sheep know my voice. Begin there, because I know many that will hear this will say, I don't think I know God's voice. I want to help you cut through the confusion, the reasoning, and the difficulty in trying to hear God's voice and tell you that if you are saved by faith in the finished work of Calvary, you know the voice of God. If you are a child of God through faith, you are his sheep and you know his voice. Would you just take a moment and say that to yourself and to God and the principalities and powers of the air? Just whisper it under your breath. 
I know the voice of God. I know the voice of God. And probably almost immediately, doubt countered that statement. But that's okay. That's proof that it's true. Because in the same breath that Jesus said he was the good shepherd, he said the one who comes through the gate any other way is a thief and a robber. He's speaking of the enemy of our souls. That is Satan, the deceiver, the murderer from the beginning, the father of lies, the great dragon, the accuser of the brethren. Jesus said of him, he's a thief. And I want you to listen to how Jesus helps us distinguish his voice from the enemies. John 10.5 says that a stranger they will not follow, they will flee from him. If you have been born again, you have a nature that is akin to the divine. In fact, you have a divine nature in the sense that the Holy Spirit dwells in you. You no longer have a heart and mind that is part of the world, the flesh, and the devil. You have received a mind download. According to the Apostle Paul, you have the mind of Christ. And so you know the voice of God because you have the mind of God. And God will speak to you through your thoughts. God now lives in you and will think the thoughts of God in and through you. I've, I've spoken to you of external voices of which we are all familiar and generally think that's what a voice is limited to, but it's not. Voices are also found internally. I think probably our generation more than most has been familiar with the negative, the dark, the strange internal voices of the enemy. There have been songs written, there have been movies produced all surrounding this idea of negative internal voices. And it's true. There is a voice of the mind. There is a voice, as the Bible says, of the flesh. There is a mind of the flesh. What does that mean? To make it simple, is that you have thoughts that are not in line with the voice of your shepherd. Those thoughts are sourced in things other than God. And knowing God's voice, part of it, is being able to distinguish, discern, 
and determine the source of those thoughts. If you're to know God's voice better, notice I didn't say if you're to know God's voice because you already do because you are a Christian. To know God's voice better, you are going to have to do something called spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare is presented in many different ways. But spiritual warfare comes down to this. Determining what thoughts that go through your mind are from God, are from yourself, or are from the devil. Paul states it plainly in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. He says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, that is not physical, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. A stronghold is a reinforced area. It's a military term describing an area that is very strong. And we all have, quote-unquote, strongholds in our minds, that is, patterns of thought that are not in line with God's thinking and therefore God's voice. I just took a sip of coffee, pardon me. Then he goes on in verse, I believe, 4. He says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and taking captive every thought to the obedience of Christ. What's he saying there? He's saying as those who are growing to know the voice of our shepherd more, we have to understand that the primary voices, notice, the primary voices we discern and distinguish will be those that are inside our very head. One more point about the thief and the robber's role in this. The enemy has access to your head. What do I mean by that? First, you should know that there should be no fear in that. In fact, Satan has been injecting thoughts into everybody's mind since we were born and we've been no wiser to it and we certainly haven't been worried about it so you shouldn't be worried now no instead you are to take God's voice God's thoughts that is his word and combat those thoughts that are not in line with it. Notice, that's how Paul says we fight spiritual warfare, but let me add to it as it regards what we're talking about today. Paul says that we need to cast down imaginations, those are mental pictures, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Well, how do I cast down Notice thoughts, ideas, and concepts. How do I do that? Well, the first thing is you have to be aware of them. It's easy to allow 
the voice of the enemy to go unchecked and uncontested in our mind. But God doesn't want us to do that. He wants us to stop the voice of the enemy in our head. In addition, he wants us to stop our own negative voice in our own head. I'm sure you've bad-mouthed yourself to yourself at times. I know I have. Nathan, why did you do that, you dummy? Nathan, how could you be so stupid? Fill your name in that in that place. We've all done it. We've all had negative voices. And with that too, our very nature says things to ourselves. Your flesh, yes, your body, but also that side of you that has been nurtured in the things that are not in line with God's nature. That also conveys information to you, hence a voice. So, how do we resist the sources and voices that are not of God and hear our shepherds better? So glad you should ask. The way that we do that is by drowning out the voices with God's very voice found in His Word, by meditation, by study, and by full immersion in life. What do I mean by that? The author of Psalm 1 gives us the key. Listen to what he says, verse 1. Blessed is the man or woman who doesn't stand in the way of sinners, nor walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sit in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. Listen to what the author of Psalm 1 says. He said, Blessed is the man that doesn't sit in the seat of the scornful, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor walk in the counsel of the ungodly, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, the voice of the Lord. And in his law does he meditate day and night. David knew that for, he, for him to hear God accurately, he had to have his mind saturated in God's voice, in God's words, in the inspired writ. He had to be thinking about it. He had to be doing something called meditation. The Hebrew word is dogaw. My family has a funny saying to remember this word. We say, dogaw, that guy meditates a lot. That word is interesting as we find from word studies. 
because the implication is to mentally maul, to chew in the mind and to roll over and over again as a cow chewing cud. The process of a cow chewing cud is quite disgusting if you are familiar with it, but suffice it to say that when a cow chews cud, he chews things over and over and over again. That's what we are to do with God's word, with God's voice. We're to roll it over in our mind like a broken record. The second part of meditation of the Hebrew dog awe is to mutter under one's breath. As a kid, my friends knew I had a, a love for TV commercials. I watched a lot of TV as a kid. And so I was always whistling or singing or speaking under my breath different TV commercials. They would always catch me doing it and laugh. I want to conclude this episode of the Comfort Cast today as I walk down memory lane a little bit with you. Music was a primary source of voices in my heart and mind when I was a kid. I can still remember in first and second grade listening to love songs in the back seat of my parents' station wagon. As I listened, I was enraptured with puppy love for the girlfriends I had in first and second grade, feeling infatuated with them, inflamed by the voices coming through the stereo speakers. Voices influence, music influences. One of the best ways to be in tune with what God is saying is through music. Music has the ability to get otherwise rejected information, voices, into your heart and mind almost unnoticed. Music is thought and concept wrapped in an irresistible package. Just look at the music you'd like to listen to. Think about the tune, the instrumentation, the beat, the speed, the style. Maybe pay less attention to that and more intentional, more attention to the message the information, the voice being conveyed 
in that wrapper and in that packaging. If you were to strip most of modern music's instrumentation and styling away and have nothing but the lyrics, I think some of us would be appalled to the voice and to the source that is found in our music. Music influenced me greatly as a child. When I was in middle school, I began listening to music that was very negative, and that's putting it lightly. And it influenced me to do and say things that I literally would have not done had I not been meditating on that music and on the spirit, the voice behind it. I want to offer you a bit of comfort. I certainly hope that you'll begin to sharpen your senses of discernment on the voices that you're hearing. But I want you to take comfort in this. When there's very little to find hope, there's very few things to find comfort in. One thing we can do is look back over our lives and find the many, many times God was there, God's grace was there, His mercy was abundant. The Christian religion and by religion I mean the true religion, the Christian faith is one of sacred memory if it's anything at all. The psalmist knew this. Psalm 77 has two areas at the beginning and at the second half where the author talks about remembering. He was going through an earth-shattering, life-altering time. And in the second half, after he's done rehearsing some of his sorrows, he said, this is my time of weakness, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. What was he doing? He was hearing God's voice God's good voice, the voice of the good shepherd in his past. I think the best conclusion from this second comfort cast that you can take away today is let me meditate, let me think about let me mentally chew and maul and mutter under my breath all of the good things that God has done in my past. And let me squeeze out of every place and point in my life, let me squeeze out of it the voice of God's love and favor to me and find loads 
and find a boon and find a treasure chest bursting forth with comfort.